Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Good morning and welcome to Wise Health Women Radio. I'm Linda Crater. I am here today with Susie Reynolds-Reese. We're going to talk about a topic that will resonate with many of you. And for those of you who it isn't pertaining to you, it will let you understand the other party. And we're going to be talking about people who you rely upon at times of great stress, what we'll call the strong people. Because at certain times, the strong people also need help. And being strong is not a label we apply to ourselves. In many ways, it's simply a time where we are accessible people. We are very intuitive. We understand that people need our help. And we are more than happy to give that help. But sometimes all that empathy and energy outlay makes you very, very tired. And Susie, welcome to the show. What does being strong mean to you? I think <laughs> it's one of those, those things that people have often called me, but I don't necessarily call myself that. I feel maybe it's a little egotistical to think that of yourself, but I think we all recognize when we are the strong ones in some ways. So to me, it means you're the person that people go to. And I think that you're often the person that is the supporter or is the, you know, the rock in some ways for others during difficult times. You're the one that they, they might lean on or um, ask for, for information from because of whatever it is that you're experiencing. And they expect that you'll be able to show up for them. So, you know, it's, it's not just about the qualities, but it's about that dependability as well which comes from expectation from prior incidences where you were dependable, you were trustworthy. And that's why it's not something that I think we apply to ourselves. I, I think it's, it's given or bestowed, if you will, because we've wanted to step in, we've wanted to help. And, and yet there are limits to what any one person can manage. And, and I do recall uh, a, a time when a friend of mine said, well, I see you helping all these other people. And you and I both help people in our professional lives. And they asked the question, who takes care of you? And, and, it, and it kind of stopped me cold because I thought, well, I tend to take care of me. And then I think a little deeper and I think, okay, well, I have a strong faith foundation and that does it. And then number three, I have some habits and tips and strategies that I use uh, under duress. But in many ways, who does take care of that strong person? And I, I think sometimes it's a situation, right? Maybe there are fewer people around for whatever reason. Mm -hmm or your, your lifestyle. And then sometimes it's also uh, 
that ability or even inability to ask for help or to ask for support. I find that for me personally, there are certain aspects of my life that I'm a lot more likely to ask for help in. And then there are other aspects that I really struggle asking others for help in. And so when I do reach out and ask for help, you know, it's, I've already put myself on the line before they even realize it. And that can be a very daunting thing to do. I think it's not only daunting. I, I think it, we take a risk because if people are always aware that you're the one that helps and, and you suddenly, and maybe obliquely, ask for help. I think one of the things that I have learned over time is that when I truly need help, I need to be very clear in my communication. I'm struggling with XYZ. I could use an ear or a shoulder and, and specifically ask for what I need. And then depending on the response, you know if you've tapped into the right person or if they're just as honest as you are, they may say, I would love to help you, but I'm, I'm just not in a good place to do that right now. Do you agree with the clarity of communication in asking for help? Absolutely. I, I find that over time, that's made a huge difference, you know, to, to be specific, because first of all, the, the other person may not know what's going on in your life. They also may not realize what it took for you to come to them. And so by doing that, you know, you set yourself up for a better chance of them wanting to support you. And I, I found too, in when I go to people now, I do try to ask, you know, do you have the space for this before I put whatever my issue is on them, depending on, you know, of course, what the, what the problem is or what you're asking for, you may know that they already have the capacity or you may not. Um, but if you don't know to, to ask, because like you said, we both are in these worlds where we help a lot. And so people often come to us, but can we really support them or do we need a break ourselves? So asking is a very important part of that clarity. Perhaps now more than ever before, our health and wellness is vital. Funny how the stress about stress can make it worse. We get busier, sleep less, become distracted and unfocused. Add the relentless news cycle, work life and social media, and well, it's a lot for all of us. I'm so pleased today to share Noom Mood with you. It's an amazing program to help guide you one step at a time toward better mental wellness and encourages a positive shift in your perspective. An app that makes a difference right in your pocket. I'm a big believer in Noom Weight, and now I'm very excited to use Noom Mood. For me personally, it seems that my stress is cumulative. And after the last three years of coping, I'm feeling it. When I set up my account, specifically noting my responses to stress, I noted my sleep quality was poor, my anxiety rose quicker than usual, and I was distracted and unfocused a lot. As someone who helps others with wellness and resilience, I was putting myself last on the list. We often do. Now new mood is right in my pocket and helping. My personal coach texts me regularly, anxiety spikes pass quickly, and I'm far less reactive. My sleep has improved. I do tend to wake up, but I fall asleep much easier now. And I feel like I'm taking control. New mood realizes no one size fits all, and I appreciate that. 
One of my favorite new mood tools reminds me to give myself 15 minutes of free time. Leave the phone, the screens, the people, and create space just for me. This is one notification that gives me permission to spend time on me for a short while, and it does help. Over time and practice with these new tools, it's helping me to choose new ways of thinking. It's really working for me, and when the sudden unavoidable stressors come, I'm learning to ground myself, put things in better perspective, and frankly, it's empowering. Even durable people need assistance, and I'm grateful for Noom Mood. I highly recommend this app. Worry less, feel happier. Sign up for your trial at noom.com forward slash wise. That's noom, N-O-O-M.com slash wise, W-I-S-E. Noom.com slash wise. You'll be so glad that you did. I think one of the things that has helped me is the discovery of some new tools. What do you think with new tools and, and strategies? Do we use them or do we put them aside and forget we have them? I, sometimes it's a building of a habit. I think it's more a building of a habit than we want to admit. Um, I think you're <laughs> absolutely right there because you and I both speak and, and teach and train and do all of these things around these types of habits and skills. And the more you do it, the easier it is for you to rely on. Um, I work a lot with different types of individuals professionally, and they all know that if you don't train in something, you cannot just do it. You know, you, you have to know what you're doing. And it's the same with this, these, these skills and strategies, even that clarity of communicating, that is a skill set, knowing that I need to be clear. I need to let others know the importance of what I'm saying. And even that I'm being vulnerable and that, you know, this is, this is really hard for me to do. That's not always something that people just tend to fall back on. A lot of times people ask for help and maybe they're very vague or they're not very descriptive, or you're not even sure what they're asking for. And then can you help them in that situation? And sometimes you end up accidentally burning a bridge because you didn't understand the impact of what they were really doing or what they were requesting. Well, and I, I think it really makes a difference to what is going on. Um, you, you have been dealing with an acute situation recently, and I have been trying to manage some cumulative stressors. And I had to take a step back and say, okay, who are my people these days? Because that's changed, especially over the time period of the pandemic, the last three years. And as we move into the endemic, there were changes, there were adjustments. And who are now my people? I found I had to expand uh, those who, who are like vaults to me. I can talk to them. I, I can confide in them. It goes nowhere. There's no gossip. They're, they're safe people. And I really trust their judgment and their kindness and compassion. But there was a time, I, I recall, during um, the last three years where I thought, I don't even know who to call. Yes, I think I've seen a lot of 
Well, I mean, you know, we've had so many things happen and we just aren't as connected in a lot of ways with others. Maybe that's because of changes in our lives or things that we've been experiencing. Um, I think people are connected in different ways. I'll say it that way. I know for me, that's been an issue as well. My life has shifted. And so there've been fewer supports. And so when something happens, you know, I'm sometimes I'm sitting thinking, who can I ask <laughs> in this situation and where do I go? Um, and you have, and I've talked about that. And, you know, I think we would be able to lean on each other more, but we're so far apart. So physically, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm in Maryland, you're in Arkansas. Absolutely. And, so and, that and, makes it very difficult to, to ask certain people for help because you know that there are people in your life that you could ask, but like, are they, is it reasonable for me to, to reach out and say this? Yeah, and, I can't list you as my emergency contact. <laughs> thought about it that. might take me a while to get there. So that, that could be <laughs> problematic. Yeah. It, it could be, but I, I tend to think that we, we have more resources than we know, but we just don't always call on them. And, and I know that I have found some new resources uh, during the pandemic, especially dealing with caregiving issues and things like that, that come up and change when they're in your own family versus when you're doing it professionally. And so it's, it's an interesting time period for knowing what to do, where to go, and how to find your resources. I am so pleased to share that AARP is an amazing sponsor of Wise Health for Women Radio. We all know that staying young at heart helps keep us younger and more vibrant. And did you know that members of AARP span four generations and reflect a wide range of attitudes, cultures, and lifestyles? We are a diverse group. The definition of older has changed, especially since I got here, and how we think about ourselves makes a big difference. As the largest advocate for those 50 plus, with all those great years ahead of us, AARP knows you care about affordable healthcare, lower prescription costs, and protecting Social Security and Medicare. My familiarity with AARP comes from my work in family caregiving, as we will all be or need a caregiver at some point. With families spread about nationwide, AARP centralized resources and support are invaluable. At aarp.org forward slash wise, you'll find all your areas of interest with a special $12 new membership offer for our listeners. Both during and following the height of the pandemic and now in the endemic, we all deal with a great deal of uncertainty. Our specific family found support with podcast resources and AARP the magazine for areas such as social isolation and community, which was a challenge for all of us. Communication with older drivers and safety in general, hearing loss, questions about navigating social security and Medicare, and in our case, especially caregiving with Alzheimer's and dementia. Family caregiver support hits close to home for me and the AARP resources have been priceless. Long before I reached 50, I knew about AARP savings and discounts for drug coverage, hotel discounts, and insurance plans. What I've learned since is that the breadth of resources with access to social community, volunteer efforts, and information has been vital. Try the benefits for yourself. 
go to aarp.org forward slash wise to join for just $12 for your first year with automatic renewal. You'll also get a second membership for free, plus AARP the magazine and a free gift. That's aarp.org forward slash wise, aarp.org forward slash wise. Susie, you're also an expert in family caregiving. And as we take care of the strong, we need resources. What goes through your mind? Do you do the same thing I do, which is to run through the people? We've talked about that. But what does help look like? Can you clearly communicate what it is you need? As we mentioned, the clarity and comms makes it possible for someone to understand what it is you need. But have you taken the time to even write down or figure out what it is that would help you? Because boy, do I not like that generic, what can I do to help? And then it's a lot of work to figure out, um, could you, and you, and you don't know where to go from there. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I speak on often is, you know, be specific in your question. You know, can I make you dinner? Or can I mow your lawn? Mm -hmm. Because as the person that is in need of support, oftentimes there's not anything that that can be done in, in their situation. And they're, maybe they're thinking about the situation at large, not necessarily the specifics of their life. And then also you could already feel as though you're, burden, you're burdening others because of your own situation. And maybe you don't want to ask for anything specific, or you don't even know what people are willing to do. So by being specific and offering things, you're letting this person know, like, first of all, I'm not going to put you through the pain of having to come up with these ideas. You probably have a lot on your mind already. Um, but also this is what I'm willing to do for you. And this, this is a boundary for me um, because I'm not saying I can do anything, which is unreasonable in mo most situations. So I think it's really important that we be specific and say things like that because, you know, it helps on both ends, uh, especially as someone who, who could use some help, but maybe just isn't sure you know, I mean, help is a huge word. So what does that really mean? And what does that look like? Um, picking someone's children up after school could be a huge help to them, but maybe that's not what they're thinking in that, in that moment. Well, I know that one of the things that I do to help me when I'm trying to struggle with, okay, what is it that I need help with? I, I journal, I write things down. I, have come to some surprising conclusions when I've done this because I find myself thinking, oh, I didn't know I was angry until I wrote that down. I didn't know that another word that was rising to the surface was betrayal. I didn't know that disappointment was one. So by naming these emotions, A, it puts clarity to what your thinking is and your feelings are. Sometimes it helps you to process one or two of the points that you were considering so that you don't feel quite so overwhelmed. But before I can ask for help, I have to name the emotion that I'm feeling and, and what is it I need. And if I don't do that first step, I might as well just go sit in the closet because I'm not going to be able to ask for help. Well, I think that that process is very important because 
in that process, you recognize what you're actually dealing with. And then you might be able to start coming up with some solutions or even just ways of better navigating whatever it is that you're feeling. I think sometimes we're under so much stress that there are lots of feelings that are happening and we aren't sure which one is in charge at what time. And that can be really difficult to, to manage through. And then how can we ever expect anyone else to be able to help if we aren't even sure what we're dealing with? So I feel like that's not only helpful for you, but it's helpful for those that you reach out to because you're doing the hard work. You're doing what we often don't want to do to better understand what's really going on so that we can find support or, you know, even just let other people know, Hey, this is what, what I'm feeling. Um, I just need you to know that you don't have to necessarily do anything with it, but I think it would be helpful to our relationship. If you were aware. We would ask others if we were helping them, but now we have to turn the mirror back on ourselves and ask those same questions. And that's why journaling is important to me. I know that if I get enough sleep, I can manage most everything. If I am not getting enough sleep, uh, anxiety goes up, your, your breathing quickens, um, the calm goes out the window. And I, I think that by naming these things and asking ourselves the questions of what are you feeling? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it all of the above? Um, is there something you can do about it? I, I know that I fall out of healthy habits when I'm under a great deal of stress. And, and we know that that's not a good cycle to fall into. No, but it's sometimes a very difficult cycle to avoid because mm -hmm. like you said, I've been going through something the past few weeks and I simply did not have time to, to do the things that I knew I needed mm -hmm. and getting back into routine is really difficult. It can be something that you struggle with. And then we've talked before about, you know, how during whatever it is that you're going through, I mean, I would literally wake up um, the past two weeks and be out the door because I, there was just, there were so many tasks that, that had to be done. And then by the time I would come back in after, you know, the, the end of the day, you're, I mean, you're exhausted. So you try to go to sleep. Of course, that doesn't work out well because you keep thinking about everything and all the things that you have to do and you're stressed. And so you maybe get some sleep. Um, and then more than likely you don't, uh, you wake up and it's another day. So how do you maintain that sense of normalcy, that sense of routine that you're really dependent on when there are timelines and there are things that have to be done by a certain day. Um, and you have to, you know, constantly be in action. So, you know, I, I've said that during that, it's like busy. I noticed lately that you have taken the step of putting in email, you know, I, I'm taking a small break. I, I'm dealing with a family matter uh, or some words to that effect. I know that I will step away from social media, uh, news cycles. I, I will get out in nature more because being busy is often a way of masking what it is we actually need to process and work with. And I, I am, I, I try and be very self-compassionate, but I, I do ask this one rather blunt question of myself. Given 
you know, the choice is in front of me. When I find something that is um, a pattern that I have noticed, if I don't choose to make a choice, that is my choice. So if you don't make a change, that's your choice. Absolutely. <laughs> we see those choices around us all the time. We see people that maybe are complacent in situations, but are miserable as well. <laughs> so, you know, and, and we end up in situations sometimes that we can't help, but it's when there are things that could be done that could change those, uh, your situation that, that you know could change those situations. And yet people are, are unwilling to do that for, for fear often, I find. It's a fear of either action or a fear of what the consequences could be. So basically, I think one of the things, and, and we will wind down our discussion, I think one of the things is that being vulnerable is not easy. And being clear on what we need, naming our emotions, going back to strategies that we know work for us or have worked in the past, or changing those strategies if it appears that something else might work better. But change is not easy for everyone. Change is sometimes very uncomfortable. But we do have choices in life. And the more we take advantage of looking within, taking a look at what we feel, how vulnerable and how risk-taking we might be, it really does help for the strong person to look for care, to ask for help. I believe you've mentioned in the past, the camper, the quitter, and the climber. Talk about that a little bit. I cannot remember who came up with that, you know, but it's very easy to find online. And um, so it talks about the three different types of people. Um, and the analogy is that they're going to climb a mountain. And so <clears throat> the quitter never starts. Um, they get to the base of the mountain and they look up and just, they decide, no, this isn't for me. Or sometimes they get maybe nice halfway. Sunset. Huh? Nice sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is perfect. Right. Um, and, and that can happen. They can even climb a little bit and then quit, but it, it, essentially they end up quitting at some point, but they always want to reach the top of the mountain. The quitter is never okay with having quit. Right. And then you have, um, the camper that, that, that's, that's also a version of the quitter. I'm not doing a great job of explaining it. <laughs> But um, the lower risk taking person, right? They set up a tent and they decide this is where I live now, right? They they're not even going to go back home. <laughs> they're just there on the mountain for the rest of their lives, and th that's fine for them. That's the fine lifestyle. They're complacent in in this new choice that they've made, but they're not going to move forward. They're not going to move backward. They're simply stuck where they are. And then you have the climber. And the climber is the one that is willing to, to go the mile, the extra mile, um, put in the work, put in the effort, because they know that the result at the end will be worth it. They know that when they stand at the top of that mountain, that no view will ever have the same meaning or have the same impact on them. And they're in it for that view and that view alone. It's not about everything else. Um, and so those, those are the, the three types of individuals that, um, that you can come across. And I think we've seen those people sometimes being strong is maybe a bit of a, all of it, depending on what's going on. But I feel it, it always comes back to that end goal of 
even if I stop for a little while, I need to keep moving at, at a certain pace again, right? I can't just stay here for the rest of my life. Um, but when I think about those people that are um, often complacent, they often are miserable and unhappy and they tend to make others around them miserable too because of that fear of pushing or of changing. I have seen wonderful family dynamics though alter for the good when it shifts from quote, the strong person who has been observed over the years. And you watch in a situation where someone else has picked up enough skills and, and strength to take over. And I'm always so excited when that happens because that's growth. That's growth in the family dynamic, or it could be in a professional dynamic when someone else takes on the strength role, because now you're taking the stress and cutting it in half, even for just a short period of time. And that's why learning these skills and, and recognizing your stress and managing your stress is really a giant help. Absolutely. And I think too, that sometimes that skill of being able to pick up when, when you're needed, it's also recognizing that maybe the person that had typically been that strong person isn't able to do that. Um, sometimes that's, they step up because they realize that I'm needed in this moment. And there's something that I can do that would be helpful. And, you know, it's, it's not that no, that there are only certain types of strong people. I think sometimes it's that recognition that I can be the strong person in this situation. And for, for me, and I believe for you as well, we've been the strong people because we stepped in and helped. And so others knew that we were willing to do that. They knew what we were capable of, and they knew that we would be consistent in whatever it was that they needed. So that, that dependability is, is so important when it comes to helping other people. Um, you know, you don't want to seek out someone that might say, no, you want to go to someone that, you know, will be there for you and will support you. And I also think that we learn over time who we can depend on, and that's important, but we also learn to pause. We pause in order to, to assess a situation. And it, and it goes back to that old saying, you know, is this a lump in your oatmeal, a lump in your throat, or a lump in your breast? So it's an evaluation of how stressful is this? Will it matter three weeks from now? And in the case of really big things, whether it's cumulative or crisis oriented, we need to know how to be strong ourselves, when to relinquish that strength, and when to know to call on help to replenish ourselves. Because I believe in replenishment, don't you? Absolutely, you can't continue if you are never fulfilled. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Susie, thank you so much for sharing this conversation today. Who takes care of the strong person? And we know that there are many of you out there. And for those of you who are strong or want to help the strong person or become stronger yourself, we urge you to listen to this and, and clarify your communications and recognize patterns in and of yourself. We will put information for you in the show pages about how to find information about Susie and myself and what we train and do. But most importantly, 
take view of your own situation, name your emotions, step into them. It's really not as scary as it may seem. And if you fail to go within, you will indeed go without. Thank you, Susie. We will make a, a further conversations going forward. And thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.